you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. All right. Well, you can take your Bibles, uh, if you have one, and turn to... uh, 1st Thessalonians, we're going to read a little bit there to get started in chapter 1, what we're doing today is called a Vision Sunday, so I've got a message for you to remind us all of why we do this thing called church and uh, what uh, this particular expression of one of God's command outposts for his, for his mission in the kingdom of God called Living Streams, what our particular expression of that looks like. And so uh, we're going to read verses uh, 2 to 7 there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 uh, to get started. We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your f- work of faith, and labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Acacia. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word um, today, this picture of a church that we're given uh, in Thessalonians. Um, Let it be something that encourages our hearts today um, as we look at living streams and where we are and what we're doing and where we want to be. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to preach, uh, for a voice, for breath, for life. Pray the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, and be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I really do love to read about the church there in Thessalonica, because it, it's just this great picture uh, of a great church. You know, one that uh, can encourage us. I mean, their, their work of faith, labor of love, hope in, in Jesus, it caused Paul to always give thanks for them. <laughs> I mean, that's something. He always gave thanks to God for the church in Thessalonica. Their conversion to Christianity was full of power and conviction. They, they lived out the, the definition of a disciple, you know, as they became imitators of Paul and of Jesus. And it says, in much affliction. You know, so when it was hard, when they were suffering, they still followed Jesus. And then they did it so well that they became examples to the other churches. In a case, Acacia and Macedonia. So God included them in his word for us to be encouraged by it. Because that right there, the Thessalonica church, is a church worth fighting for. Well, I get to...
preach to you about another church worth fighting for. Living Streams Community Church. You know, these are very interesting times for churches, as you can look around and see. Some churches are struggling and to stay open. Some churches have just suspended in-person services because of the virus. Some churches are struggling financially because of all this that's going on. Well, after six months of COVID-19, I can tell you that Living Streams is beginning to struggle. And the message I got for you isn't so much like a tornado warning, but maybe more like a tornado watch from things that I'm beginning to hear and see. I really believe that if we continue to try and do church the way we are doing it today, with safety as our first priority, our stream will slowly dry up and we will end up looking a lot different next spring. Now, in Mar- on March 15th, when we uh, were told about a pandemic, uh, we followed the shelter-in-place rules and we stopped having in-person services for about two and a half months. All we knew about a virus then was that it was very contagious, there wasn't a cure, and that it was causing people to die. So we followed that order and and sheltered in place and went online. And I'll tell you, I continue to thank God for technology, that we were, we had, we already had it in place. And I continue to thank God for the nerds and geeks that sit there in the back, you know, uh, because you guys, you, you deserve high fives, you know, for what we, what we did there. So... So June came around and we, uh, one of the nerds and geeks had an idea to have a tent outside. So we rented a tent, we went outside and, you know, that was such a great, great thing to be able to have our whole church come back together. You know, I think we were having 80 people out there under, under the tent for three Sundays in a row. And uh, then it rained and we had to come back inside and then we came back uh, to July and we started two uh, services uh, right here, um, and we did that so that we could have less people in the building uh, to make it a safer environment. So masks became important in here, and staying away from each other became important in here. And we moved to this very sterile celebration of the Lord's Supper. So today, our church looks a lot different than it did in March. Well, all of this, I believe, has, has been appropriate. You know, what we have done and what, uh, with what we have been facing. We have been on the defense against this invisible COVID enemy. And I'm concerned that if we continue to, to do church that way, we're playing into the hands of our real in- invisible enemy. You know, Satan would like nothing more than to see a church not gather. He would like nothing more than to see a church begin to fight with itself over silly things like masks. He would like nothing more than us for us to stay apart from each other so that we can stay safe and not be able to do what God has called us to do. And I'm standing before you a weary pastor. I am weary of being on the defensive. And I am ready to go on offense against this virus. And not just so living streams can survive but so that we can thrive, so that we can come together and do something in this time that people would go, wow, that church should be an example to other churches. Now, if we're going to do that, we've got to start fighting. We've got to start fighting for our church. So first, I want to tell you what we're fighting for. 
You know, what is our church about? Thirteen years ago, God called me to plant a, a church um, because of a man's prayer, uh, Don Kennedy. He lived in Mount Comfort, and he was going to Brookville Road, and he prayed that I would go up to, up to his neighborhood and plant a church. Don Kennedy passed away this past summer, and I know he's part of the great cloud of witnesses that is cheering us on today. On October 12, 2008, we opened the doors to this place. There's a God story in there um, of how we got here. But we opened the doors for the first time to the public with this vision, together following Jesus, reaching the world. That was our vision. It's a, it's a vision that fulfills uh, the three ministries that every biblical church should fulfill. Ministry to God, ministry to believers, and ministry to unbelievers. That's the vision of our church. Now that word church in the Greek is called ecclesia. Now I'm not very good at pronouncing Greek, never took the Greek class, I just, you know, study Greek like you do. Uh, so I, I say ecclesia, might be wrong, but um, Jesus used that word when he told Peter, after he confessed him as Christ, he said to him, and on this rock I will build my ecclesia, my church. And when you look at the definition of ecclesia, what it means is a gathering of believers, a gathering. Now, in Acts 2, 42 to 47, we get a, a description of the special kind of community that that gathering can be. And that's, that was when it first started. In Acts 2, 42 to 47, they worshiped together. They met in each other's homes. They ate together. They shared everything they had. They learned together. They went to temple and, and worshiped God together. Um, so what we get from the definition of the word and then seeing the expression of the first church is that church is a together thing. It is fundamental to being a church to gather together. I would say that you cannot be the church without gathering. Now, when you see the way God described this special community in the New Testament, you, you get a common theme of connection. The church is described as a body. It's, it's connected. It's described as a vine that you stay connected to. It's described as a family that has relationships. We call each other brother and sister because that's we're children of God. He's our father. We're connected in that way. It's described as a bride who is married to Jesus and a house. So these connections, they, they're mostly made up of relationships that we have with one another. And what they do is they provide an environment for us to carry out the New Testament, you know, to live out the 59 one another commands that were given in the New Testament, like when Jesus said, love one another. And Paul said, carry, carry one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Pray for one another. So one another thing. So being together provides that environment. Now listen, I've always said from the beginning of our church that the together part of our vision is the most difficult because it's on us to prioritize our participation in this thing that we call living streams. So you, you, we have always had to choose how to spend the time that God gives us. Everybody has the same amount of time every day. And we get to choose how we invest that time. And there's so many things in this world to invest our time in, but so many of them have no eternal impact. They're just, it's just wasted time if you think about it in, in view of eternity. 
The church is the one place you can come and invest your time and it have eternal impact. It goes beyond this world. And now we have the added challenge of a virus, COVID-19, and the guidance that we get that we shouldn't get together. We can't be together because it's not safe. So what they're doing to keep everybody safe is they are discouraging us to be the church. Not directly, but indirectly. And I am not sure that we can blame COVID-19 on the devil, but we can sure see how he is using it. He is using it. And we, can, we have to see it. He is using it to keep the church from being the church. I want to tell you this, this morning, we have got a fight on our hands. We've got a fight on our hands. Together is the first part of our vision. Following Jesus is the next. The church has been given this mission by Jesus at the end of Matthew. We call it the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So together in this community called the church, we're actively following Jesus. We're actively learning how to do that and growing in that as his disciples. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of your Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our, our calling. That's what he wants us to do. Now, at Living Streams, we have six ways that we encourage and teach for you to do that. Um, six ways. Two of them are the Bible, getting in the Word of God, reading the Bible, and praying, talking to God. So you hear that a lot. You might hear that a lot at a lot of, a lot of churches. It's pretty common. Another one is pursuing holiness with the other spiritual disciplines where you put yourself in the place for God to change you and then you become more like Christ. And that means you're going to become more holy. Holiness. Another one, another stream is learning to live life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we have been given the Holy Spirit when we were born again. And He is there to help us in this life that God has called us to live. And so we want to see the fruits of the Holy Spirit be, being, uh, come, come to life in our life, bearing fruit. And we want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in our life to build up the church and to bring glory to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, we, we really can't do all of this without Him. And then the last one is being a, well, there's two more, being a conduit of God's mercy to people. So wherever we go, we are, we are, to be conduits of his mercy, helping people in need in whatever way those needs show up in our life. And then all of that kind of wraps together in this being a witness for Jesus Christ. We are to mirror his life in our life to the people around us. Now, these are not things that, you know, when you come to Living Streams, that we want to say, hey, you've got to add all this stuff to your life. That's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is make that your life. Because Jesus is at the center of your life. And all of those things are ways that you know him and ways that you serve him. And when we do those things, we're, we're knowing him better. And knowing him is not a Sunday only thing. It is a 24-7, 365 thing. It's a whole life kind of thing. And when we give ourselves to these activities, when we participate in them, God shows up and he uses them to change us, to shape us, to keep you know, molding us into the likeness of his son. Because it's really about that. We're becoming people who look like Jesus. Jesus was a man of the word. 
So we are going to be people of the word. Jesus was a man of prayer. So we will end up being people of prayer. And you can go through all of them. His, his ministry was full of power and mercy. Ours will be too. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And as we serve and love like Jesus, we become a witness to the people in our lives. And as we do all of that, as we participate in that, we're, we're walking in Jesus' footsteps. And when you walk in someone's footsteps, when you do the things that they would do if they were living your life, guess what happens? You know them better. And when you know them better, your experience of eternal life goes up. Jesus said in John 17, 3, that that was eternal life, that they would know God and His Son. And so we are fulfilling that as we give ourselves to these activities. Now, I know that that is a lot of information, kind of, kind of fire hose, but if you look at all those six things, they, they will give you a balanced Christian life. Bible, prayer, holiness, mercy, spirit, and witness. And those are the things that we teach. When you do those things, God shows up. He brings them alive. We call those things the living streams. That's part of, the, part of what our name means. Doing those things in your life helps fulfill what Paul was saying in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, where he said, work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation, not work for your salvation. We always make that clear. This is working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to willing to work for his good pleasure. Now, a lot of churches stop there. But I didn't think we should stop there because our transformation has a purpose beyond our own good life, our, our own experience of an abundant life. Because God has given us a mission to take. I mean, we're people with good news. And part of being a disciple is sharing that good news with other people. It's evangelism. And so part of the name of your church, when you hear the name Living Streams, you should think of yourself. I am a living stream. I have good news that brings people to life. And as all these things that I do in my life to know God and serve Him and love Him come to life, I become this person who goes out there and shines a light into the darkness. So that's the third part of our vision, and it's reaching the world. We don't want to just invite people into our church and jump right to following Jesus, even though we talk about that a lot, because we don't want someone to follow Jesus before they know Jesus. We don't, we don't want someone to start working on all of these things without having believed in Christ. Because what happens when we do that is we're teaching them how to be religious. And we all know what a religious life is like. It's about a rules. It's a law-driven kind of life, and it leads to death. But Jesus, he fulfilled the law. And he accepts us based on his work, not our work. And so when we trust him, that leads to a love-driven kind of life instead of a law-driven kind of life. Do you know how people come to know Christ? you know how people come to believe in Jesus? Someone gives them the opportunity to do it. They tell about who He is, the amazing Son of God who lived a life and loved people like we want to love people, and yet gave Himself over to sinful men, dying on a cross, but not because of anything He did, it's because of what we did. And every one of us has an opportunity to look to Him for salvation from our sins and ourself. And He saves us from death. And He, he saves us to life. 
He saves us from hell to heaven. He saves us from ourselves to God. We become a child of God. That is the gospel. And when you share that, that is good news. It's nothing we do. We just believe. When you share that with somebody, they have an opportunity to respond. They respond with belief or with rejection. Now, sometimes that's a moment, a powerful moment in somebody's life. But sometimes it's a lot of moments put together. But somewhere in in their life, faith comes alive. The gospel seeds that have been planted bear fruit. And they know that their life is in Jesus' hands. Living Streams is an evangelical church. And so you won't have a month of Sundays go by without the opportunity to hear something like you just heard and to turn and give your life to Christ. Our missions focus, the missionaries that we support, we want gospel-centered ministries. You know, as we try to grow our missions support in years to come, we'll look for gospel-centered missionaries, people who have beautiful feet. And if you want an explanation for that, just read Romans 10. Together, following Jesus, reaching the world. I believe in that vision. I want us to fulfill that vision. I want to see it multiply in our lives. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I want you to fight for because there isn't a whole lot in this world worth fighting for, but that is. But why? Why the fight? Why can't we just hunker down you know, stay away from each other, ride this thing out, and get things back to normal. Why can't we just do that? Because if we stop getting together, if we stop following together, by the end of this thing, there won't be a whole lot of together left. There won't be many of us left. I did not make up this vision. It is not a want of mine. It is right there in the Bible. Your spiritual life was never meant to be this individual thing that we keep to ourselves, and that's what we do as Americans. We make it an individual thing. It is meant to be lived out in community. I used to say the community, the togetherness of a church was like a Petri dish. When you get into that Petri dish, stuff starts to grow. But I didn't really like the way that kind of went out in my mind, so I stopped using that illustration. (laughs) Did you know that you actually cannot grow in your spiritual life without other believers? It is not possible. The church is not a building. It is you. It is a gathering of believers in all the various ways that we do that, where we we encourage each other, console, comfort, protect, provide, do all of these one another's, forgive, confess, celebrate. All of that happens when we get together. So the together part of our vision, it's a need for your life with God. It's a necessity for your life with God. And when we stop doing it, whether we know it or not, we're slipping. We're shrinking back. I remember one time I I heard uh, an explanation of the spiritual life. And it, it was this, that you're never standing still with God. You're either moving backwards with Him or you're moving forwards. You're never just on pause. It's never on hold. Listen, not meeting together will contribute to you moving backwards, regressing in your life with God. It is a rare person who can self-discipline themselves and do that for a very long time. It's a rare person. I watched this uh, documentary. It was called 
Kim Swims. And it was about Kim Chambers, a marathon swimmer. And she had just completed a world record swim from the Farallon Islands to to San Francisco Bay. 30 miles in shark-infested waters that was 60 degrees. So you're supposed to last about six hours in 60-degree water. She swam 17 hours and 12 minutes. Set a world record. She became one of five swimmers to complete it. All the rest were men. But she did not do it alone. Years before, she joined this team called the Dolphin Club. It is a group of swimmers who adventure into the frigid waters of the San Francisco Bay for fun. You know how long they've been around, the Dolphin Club? Since 1877. Power of community. Her training for these swims that she does, is uh, these are some of the things that she does. Taking cold showers for six months at a time. Regularly not sleeping so that she gets used to sleep deprivation. Swimming the equipment. You know what her Friday nights are like before these long... She goes and swims the equivalent of the English Channel on Friday night. Then stays up all night till Saturday to get used to these things. When she completed this swim in 2015, she was alone in the water, but she had two boats that were following her, full of people, encouraging her, cheering her on, giving her food every 30 minutes. Every time she stopped, there was all this encouragement. You can do it. Keep on going. When she finished and she climbed back out of the water, she was just hugging everyone, tears of joy flowing down her face and the the words of gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because she knew. On her own, she doesn't make that swim. Hebrews 10.39 says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere their souls. Notice the plurals in that verse. We are not of those who shrink back. But we are those who have faith and persevere their souls. Now, right now, to come to church and be together, there's a certain amount of risk to that, isn't there? We don't know how how big or small it is, but it is an actual life-threatening thing to be together. But I was thinking about this. If we cannot risk coming together for fear of an invisible enemy, what are we going to be like when the enemy is visible? What will we be like when the police are waiting for us in our parking lot because we came to church? If we cannot come to church for fear of getting infected with COVID, what are we going to be like for fear of getting arrested? Isn't it the same? Isn't what we're doing today practice for that day? We cannot do this isolated and alone, apart from each other. Our faith will shrink if we do that. And we started those two services in July for a safer environment for us to worship in. Less people in here equals less 
risk, a safer environment. But the problem is now that even though it is safer for our physical life, it is not for our spiritual life. Our hearts need to be together. So we made a decision last week to go back to one service to bring more people into this room. One service because our hearts need to be together to do what God has called us to do. Now for myself, I have made the decision that the risk is worth it to me. It's worth it to me to be together with you. You know, so I I believe that if I uh, get sick with COVID and pass away because I was serving God and loving my church family, that's okay with me. I would consider that a good death, and I believe that God will fill in the holes of my life with much grace and mercy. That's where we have to put our faith. Now, I can make that decision for me, but I cannot make it for you. You have to do that for yourself. And that is where the fight comes in. That is where you have to fight. Am I going to live my life trying to be safe or am I going to live my life trying to be faithful? And I really think that's the choice. Now listen, I'm not suggesting that we are not in a pandemic. I believe that it's there. I know people who have died from it. I know people who are sick with it today. Not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that we should be reckless when we come together. We're going to put out all the blue chairs again. Not all of them, but we'll have them all spread out. We'll use the whole room and you'll be able to distance from each other. We're going to ask you to continue to wear masks when we're in here together. I don't like that, but I think that's uh, something that we should continue to do while there's a mandate out there. We'll continue to open the doors to let fresh air in. Uh, to this place as much as we can. So uh, check the weather before you come to church. You might need an extra pair of socks, maybe even some gloves. Might want to buy some of those gloves that make you know you can use to use you know so you can find you can use your Bible on your phone still, you know with with your gloves on. But we can do these things. We can get creative, and we should get get creative. Uh, now, if we get up to 70 or 80 people in this room, we will have grown as a church. <laughs> but we'll use the lobby. We'll use the classroom. We'll do what we got to do. You know, to, to be together. Next Sunday, we're going to one service, 10.15. It'll be the same time online, 10.15. Um, so we hope that you will fight for your church and come in person uh, because we need to. Now, before I have the prodigals back up, I want to give you some fighting verses. Verses that you can fight with because we don't fight like other people do. Uh, We don't live life like other people do. Kim Chambers, she found strength to do that swim within herself. And I find that amazing. I would never have that kind of strength. I like hot showers. We look to God for our strength. We look to God. Because when we are weak, uh, He is strong. And He has given us the weapons to fight with. And we have one offensive weapon. And that is the Word of God. And so I want you to use these verses to do battle with yourself, to do battle with your doubts and your fears. The first one is in Luke 9, 23 to 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Now that self-denial kind of thing that, that, you know, when we read that verse and life is normal, you know, that's... that's, uh, 
given up our place in line for somebody else. It's given up the last cookie in the cookie jar, you know. Uh, it's going last so someone else can go go first, you know, that kind of thing. But today, to be the church, to fight for the church, we are literally needing to give up our safety. We have to give up our safety. And we need to be okay with getting sick and trust that God is our great physician and that we know our life is in His hands. That is the only antidote to the fear that we have from this virus, is our faith. Perfect love casts out fear. We also need to give up our right, and you're going to love this, to not wear masks. I am not a fan. I said I'm not a fan of masking up in church. But you know what? I will put up with it to be together with you. I will put up with it. I assume that if you go someplace and work, you have to wear a mask. If you will put up wearing a mask to keep your job, Will you put up wearing a mask to keep your church? Would you fight for your church? That's the fighting verse, Luke 9, 23 to 24. Next one is uh, Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you want to remain steadfast, we have to do it together. That's because God made us with a need for community, with a need for each other. If we want to to move forward in our life with God, we will not ever spur ourselves on like someone else will spur us on. We need other believers. You know, the, this, uh, this church that Hebrews was written to was a small group in Italy, and it was under persecution. So there was a visible threat to their lives when they came together. What did God tell them to do? Don't give up meeting together. And as the threat increased, as the day approached, what were they supposed to do? And all the more meet together. When the threat increases, togetherness increased. That's God's advice for us today. We will not be able to make the 30-mile swim through the virus days doing what we're doing. Use that verse to fight. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-2. to two. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. You know, every single one of us today is experiencing difficult days. There's fear all around us, maybe in us. There's stress. There's pressure. Every day. And Lori just said this last week, it seems like everybody's mad. It seems like everybody's on the edge of getting mad. So I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, we are fighting for each other. We are not fighting with each other. It's for, not with. Give extra amounts of grace to each other and handle each other with care. You know, when we get together more often, there's another threat that increases, and that is conflict. <laughs> Anytime you get together, there's friction. 
So we need to give more extra grace when we have those kinds of conflicts. Following, follow the word of God as far as it depends on me. I will do what I have to do to keep the peace, to make the peace, whatever it is. It's important for us. From the beginning of this thing, the Lord has just kept on my mind, you need to be simple. You need to, you need to be simple in your faith. Be like a child. Read the book. Do what it says. Believe it. Just be like a child in Jesus' arms. I crave the spiritual purity of a church at peace with each other because I want you to know there is nothing Satan would like more than to divide us because that will destroy us a lot quicker than COVID will. That is his aim. Colossians 4.2 Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, Remember that all of these letters were written to groups of people, churches. Okay, so Paul is encouraging the church to pray. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we have a prayer meeting here. And I want to encourage you to come to that. Because there is encouragement there. There is faith-building things happening there. Just come and pray with us. You don't even have to speak. But your presence makes a huge difference. When you leave, you'll be full of faith. If you believe God is there and God cares and He hears these prayers and He is at work as soon as we lift it up, you cannot help but leave full of faith. Why are we not praying together? That is the answer. God could blow His breath on our world and this virus could go away. I believe he could do that. He can touch somebody in the hospital. We pray here, he touches there. It happens. Pastor Maquan prays for people in India all the time. They get healed. In India, he's here. God's there. (laughs) There's faith in the prayer circle. So come. I know this for a fact. Our church right now is under spiritual attack. And I can say that because the devil doesn't want us to go on offense. He doesn't want us to do this. He doesn't want us to have a full parking lot on Sundays where all the Meyer people drive by and go, wow, those people aren't afraid. They really believe what they're reading. Satan doesn't want us to live lives of faith Especially right now, because right now, all those people out there who have no faith are searching for light in the dark. They're searching for answers. And if we're shrinking back and we got the answers, that's, that's Satan's plan. So coming to prayer meeting will help that. So put your fears aside. Let go of your hang-ups about prayer. I don't have the right words, whatever it is, and come. Prayer is the way we do battle. It is the way we put on the full armor of God. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. So come to the prayer meeting. Use that Colossians 4 verse 2 to fight with. Your church needs you. It needs you. So those are your fighting verses. Deny yourself. Don't give up meeting together.
Keep the peace. Pray together. It is that simple and it is that difficult. Let's have the uh, prodigals back up. Uh, It's time to go on offense, church. We've been around for 12 years. God started this thing. I think he's got more for us to do. Let's fight for our church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Living Streams, uh, the dream that you sowed in the heart of Don Kennedy and uh, brought it to life uh, through our lives. So we thank you for this place. We thank you for the people that gather here. And we pray that as we uh, fight in these days of, of, uh, of virus, uh, that we would grow in our faith, uh, that our that our work of faith would be seen by others and be, they be encouraged, that we would labor in love, and that our hope would be in in Jesus. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you'd send us out full of your Holy Spirit to shine the light that you give us. What we just sang about their amazing grace is what this is all about. So thank you for giving us that. Help us to show it to people this week. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.